Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to Starving for Attention. Richard Blaze is here with... Jasmine Blaze. Jasmine Blaze. Sorry, I missed my cue. I was swallowing. No, that's my fault. It wasn't yes. a cue. I don't. I swallowing. usually just say your name. Yeah, I don't know what um, you means when you point at me. Usually, and this time so. I was just like, boom, like a big sim, like, like the drum roll. Jasmine Blaze is here uh, from San Diego, where we just got to watch the powerhouse U.S. Women's National Team oh, crushed it, win their fourth World Cup, won all their games. That's Incredible. hard to do. That's yes. hard to do in a tournament. All their games won, all of them. Yeah, amazing. I mean, obviously, like, you win the tournament if you win all your games. But, I mean, even the group stages, they won everything. It's they amazing. Just absolutely crushed it. So much fun um, to watch. And like you said, they, it, it's hard to do. It's really right? hard to do. I mean, think about, like, going through Top Chef and winning everything. Like, never losing. Just no. winning everything. Well, certainly. It's a little that, different. I couldn't the do The tournament that. setup is a little different. But, uh, but you know what's not hard? What? Uh, Miller Lite. True. And this episode is brought to you by Miller Lite. Did you know that Miller Lite was the beer that launched the light beer category? Miller Lite's the original light beer. And from the start, it has never compromised on taste. That's because it's always brewed to have more taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 grams of carbs. Miller Lite, hold true. Uh, and the U.S. women's national team, Jasmine, they for sure crushed it. Held true. Yeah, they did. The advanced specialists at the Center for Innovative GYN Care developed groundbreaking, minimally invasive techniques to treat fibroids, endometriosis, and other GYN conditions. In response to growing concerns over the coronavirus, CIGC now offers e-visits. We know GYN conditions don't stop affecting your life. CIGC wants to be here for you as you seek options to find relief from debilitating gynecologic symptoms such as abnormal bleeding and pelvic pain. With telemedicine options now available, book a Consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. That's InnovativeGYN.com or 888-SURGERY. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. It was funny. We were talking about like Miller Lite like, and it's kind of like with the, these light beers are as a marathon training right now. It's very much like a recovery drink, right? Like there's, there's some yeah, strong I've marketing yeah. around it. So I, I asked Embry, our, one of our, our youngest, and I was like, what do you think Megan Rapinoe is about an hour ago? Like, yeah. you know, it's been four or five hours now since the U.S. Mm-hmm. team won. Like, what do you think they're doing? Like, what do you think they're doing? And Embry had a great answer. She was like, what'd you say? Eating some really great food. Yeah. Well, they're in France. Or they're this, in Lyon. They're probably eating some good the potatoes. The birthplace of mm, great food. Yeah. I mean, they're in Lyon with uh, Bocuse and Daniel Boulou, you know, the yeah. history of Daniel Boulou's family. And uh, so I think she's probably right. There yeah. might be... Lots of interviews, and then after the interviews, like maybe said so you shower and yeah. you know get changed, and then yeah, probably going out to see their families and eat and like. And there might be a Miller Light or two being popped. Be. You never, you know. don't know, but maybe more so champagne. Definitely, they're in France. Yeah, well, definitely, right? I think that it's it's uh, it's probably the right thing to do. But what an amazing um, win for that team, yeah. and it kind of is perfect for the episode today, right? Because Ashley Christensen 
is our guest, right? Well, it's, yeah, it's a it's a it's a topic of equality, which came up a lot when watching the games, and and you know it's actually been interesting to have the the World Cup happening simultaneously to the men's um, Gold Cup or the Concacaf happening at the same time. It's been kind of interesting to watch and, and compare, and like the men are actually doing really well, which is surprising for them, but um, they're doing really well, and it's 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 a conversation on equality has been very big in our house. Yeah, I mean, I think it was our friend Andrew Zimmerman who um, I apologize for putting up his bottle cap uh, video oh, on my page, kind of so trolling wrong. him in a, so a fun wrong. way. Um, but I think he said, even before his <clears throat> bottle cap incident, which you can find on my Instagram page, um, he had made a statement on Twitter about the U.S. women's national team, about it being the most important franchise in most, like U.S. international most sports. successful, I think, too, right? I, Maybe, I, think I mean, like, that's probably a foregone conclusion now right i mean you can i don't know we'd have to go back and look up the records of some of the other national teams but i mean yeah i don't think you could argue that i think at one point i I had mentioned this to you and you were like since the dream team well you said recognizable i think which is you know that's a different that's like a marketing thing i feel like it's both yeah i feel like success and popularity i think winning has probably catapulted them ahead of the dream team right the difference with the dream team of course i mean still at that era this was the 80s i believe right yeah. late 80s yeah. where it was still like it was the pro it was the fact that there were pro athletes right then competing right right right. and yeah no one was going to touch u.s men's basketball when it was when jordan, jordan and bird right and, you know magic and yeah. like literally every yeah. you know uh, it was the dream team. it was yeah. the dream team but this is the dream team the u.s women's national team in different ways uh and and uh because like it's allowing kids certainly uh, young women and girls to sort of dream about, you know, playing on this stage, which is incredible, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it happened in 99. It happened in 90, 91 as well, too, when they won the World Cup. But in 99, I mean, I was I was in college. I mean, you, you, you have so many people that are tuning in and watching this game and like it just it, it just catapults it. it just is it's just gonna add another you know million kids playing soccer in 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 the world in the united states probably yeah and i think i, I we had I, one of the commentators was talking about well it's gonna tip well like like you had just mentioned the u.s have won a number of world cups already mm-hmm. on the women's side this is fourth yeah so like it kind of certainly tipped in the u.s for like engaging kids to want to play soccer yeah but i feel like what what most people are talking about now is does this tip women's professional sports? Can can it tip the fact that, like, quite honestly, it's thrilling to watch. Yeah. I, th- to me, there's no difference as a soccer fan of watching the women's team or the men's team or yeah. watching the Arsenal or, right. you know, like, it's, it's just as thrilling. It does mm-hmm. not matter the gender of the players sure. at all. So does that push women's sports to a point where you'll see more of it on television right you hope right i mean that's what that's what you you hope happens i mean i think we're seeing that happen with the other women's national teams that that are that are being now you know pulled up and being made better by the fact that women's sports is strong in the united states right Right. how many players did we hear that played for other teams that go to college in the united states you know get their training in the united states and then go back and play for their home countries it's you know and and that just is serving the sport better exactly but anyways on our women's world cup uh open I mean, it's, I just love it because it's, it has to be on television. Like, there's a business yeah. application. There's a business part to this. We have friends who just started the Premier Lacrosse League. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that's going to help that sport tremendously because they have a contract with NBC. You're now going to see lacrosse being, you know, the, sure. these guys are also, I mean, you, drawing the parallel, a professional men's lacrosse player is not getting paid the worth of a professional athlete 
just like the women's soccer team, you know, have the inequalities of pay right now, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because pay them. It's well, pretty I mean, simple this, at this point. I mean, uh, our daughter's going to start a petition, guys. So go check it out on change. She's all about petitions. Yeah, going to start. She's all about start petitions. Start one. Pay them. That's it was. It has been uh, internally my favorite part is yeah. that you know we have one uh, kid who's like really into stats, but she's into the stats of like birthdays. Yeah. So she knows where all of the birthdays. <laughs> Which is not to get too Malcolm Gladwell. So many of these birthdays are like early July. Like there's like yeah. four or five birthdays right around yeah. mid July. A lot of summer birthdays. Which is interesting because yeah. I think the Gladwell theory has it. Or it's it's, for, it's for Canadian hockey, but yeah. so more towards injuries. like the uh, early year birthdays or the late year. You know birthdays. whatever other competition was happening this weekend mm. or this week? Hot dog eating. Oh, that's right. Oh. Joey Chestnut. <laughs> Painfully. Did you watch it? No, I just saw like the caption, but again, like it's over there. Do they do it? I guess they do Coney it Island in Coney still. Island, yeah. right? Okay. So like everyone knows the, uh, you know, the, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, right? I'm pretty right. sure it's Brandon Nathan's. Yeah. And like they, this is a thing that's now on TV. Same yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Listen, 20 years ago. No one's watching someone no, eat hot dogs on jo- TV. Joey Chestnuts <laughs> or Joe, 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 I think it's just single chestnut. Just right? single chestnut. Joey <laughs> Chestnut. Chestnut. Yeah, there you go. Like look what he's done for competitive eating. Yeah. This is true because now that it's on television, now you can get paid to stuff 71 hot dogs in your face. I just, he looked like he was crying. I couldn't tell if it was I'm the sure sun his, and the glare. I'm sure his eyes were watering. I mean, you have to imagine, like, imagine choking on something, right? Like, so essentially what he's doing, he's not really chewing. He's just kind of like, like a snake. Like, honestly, you watched Vanilla Eat yesterday. Ooh, our, snake. our snake vanilla. It's okay. the exact same thing. Like, they're just like, gloop, 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 like putting it down their throat like yeah. i don't think there's any chewing of any kind happening really vanilla has not learned as a snake to dip the uh the bun in mice, water yeah. the small mice into water i read uh, i did see that there down. was a, a a mets baseball player up on stage maybe announcing or there's a guest celebrity right and he was like it was interesting but gross to watch it up close oh i bet like i was saying it's kind of gross to watch it's it just like from afar what people would say about watching our snake eat i think <laughs> totally I'm finding Definitely. some parallels. There, there is a part of me. I don't know. Would if you go and, and host that competition? Oh, host it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. Would you participate? Would, it sounded like okay, you were yeah. like expecting a participation I entry. Sure, but I was going more in the participation route. There is a part of me that is like, you have a especially when I train. Inside. Yeah. That, no, just like I would like to try and eat 71 hot dogs. Right. Yeah. Not fast even. We've always, like we've, a, we've had this uh, as part of our relationship forever, right? Of just being like, how many of those do you think you could eat? That's true. Like 60. I don't That's know. true. Right? Like it was Big Macs and like we've had it with different. And you know, um, actually at the, the party we went to for the fourth, yeah. I did eat four or five hot dogs without bread. I know. You're walking flour. around with them in your hand. Just with, eating just them out of loose, hand. A loose wiener. Just, just like a around. wild Harry Carey. Hey, Norm. It's a crazy party. What if my fingers were made of hot dogs? <laughs> um, but I would, I would enjoy just as someone who loves sort of intermittent fasting, the idea of uh, choking down. As many dogs as I can. Yeah, but see, I wonder, do you think, like, what, we talked to Adam Richmond about this, right? Yeah, okay. About how uh, he would drink, like, gallons of water. Of food host To, like, stretch his stomach before and then, like, diuretic it out. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember. Actually, I don't remember There's got to be diuretics, a but We had like, mentioned it even with jo- Joey well, Chestnut. you got to have to eat. You're going to have to do something to get rid of all that, right? Like, a uh, diuretic or a Pepto-Bismol or something. something I don't know. you got to do something to help. But uh, I would. Uh, hit me up if you want to compete on video with me. You have been, you've challenged, been challenged or challenged yourself on um, steak, like large steak, uh, Ooh, crab legs. That's tough. Like I've the John Candy, like legs. Great 98, yeah. Great Outdoors segment. Uh-huh. What else have you t- you've said? There's others. I like this. Well, I mean, can you, listen, there's a competitive eating league and I'll just throw the last, I always like to throw one like crazy business thing out there that I shouldn't talk about live on the air, but right. like 
starting a competitive cooking league that is not just for a television show. Like really starting a cooking league that, yes, of course, television will view it. But that's where I'll leave this out there. You're making a... No, I don't get it. But anyways... Uh, why not? I mean, there's competitive. There's people competing, uh, uh, eating hot dogs. Why not competing? One on time cooking? a year, yeah. Well, no, it's not just or one like time a couple a year. See, like that's. Maybe, right. I mean, there's all sorts. You just right. go, we're just not in that world. Yeah, but someone like, right now is like, going to blow us up. But like, they're like at the like San Diego County Fair. Like people are like coming in for the hot right, dog so, eating contest. So, someone's making money off of it. Sure. I bet you there's a league out there. Um, but anyway, no one's televising it. I guess is my point. Until it's the Coney Island July Fourth one. Uh, yeah, that's true. I guess so. But still, they have the Coney Island thing, which is pretty amazing. Uh, wildly successful. Uh, restaurants who are coming up Ashley Christensen wildly successful uh, competitive eater Joey Chestnut and of course the wildly successful US Women's National Team winning yes. their fourth national uh, fourth World Cup yes you know what else can help you be wildly successful what's that you know Upserve ah yes yeah we've been talking about Upserve a yeah. lot on the podcast uh, they've been a pretty mm-hmm. amazing sponsor I work with them with a, a couple of concepts that we consult on and they help bring this amazing podcast to you guys they you do right uh, and they help with uh actionable analytics through Upserve HQ. And what does that mean? Actionable analytics. What well, do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I was just looking at my list, right? Yeah. So like it, it basically for me as a consultant who's not on the ground, I get to see so many things that like happened in the restaurant, even as an example, last week. I can go in and find out, you know, what server sold the most amount of food. Mm-hmm. I can look at a product mix to see, you know, if there's a menu dog, which means like an item that's not really selling. Right. Um, and, and one of the things I just loved by looking at was like a, also server turn times. Mm. Like, so as someone who's like, in sports, you're watching all these players. You had mentioned how it's funny the U.S. men are running around with the, the GPS bras. Yeah. The sports bras <laughs> yeah. now yes. that are tracking all of their steps. Yeah. You want to do that for servers. Well, I want to do. I want to actually do it for cooks, which is something oh, right, right. that I, I need to I, observe. I, yeah. I need to talk to observe about. Yeah. But with servers, you can in a lot of ways, not every step they take, but you know, hey, it took. It's taking an hour and thirty minutes, an hour and right, like the table sat, table right, table sat. You took ten minutes to get in an order, and then right, I get it. So you get these sort of like money ball stats, even Mm -hmm. on your servers or bartenders how long it took to turn a table plus how much money did they bring into the restaurant. It enables you to really sort of set up some opportunities to improve staff performance, increased guest retention. You can predict popular dishes, like I just said, by looking at the product mix. And it's kind of just amazing. You know, Upserve Live also allows you, like I'm talking about, to wake up to a daily recap in your inbox and you can access all of these insights on your go. So like even if I'm in the air, um, that's something you can do. Another great benefit is streamline online ordering. So this is one that can boost revenue by 10%, can save over 30 hours per week. You know this as being someone who's managed yeah. many when you, restaurants. When you miss the ordering deadline? When you miss ordering deadlines, especially uh. like if it's, and a lot of the times it's it's your chef or your main like uh, yeah. bar manager. Yeah, it's the worst. That have to do that. Another then you way, get a call and beg someone to, to squeeze an order in. Yeah, that exactly. makes it easier. Yeah, so it kind of upserve acts in a lot of ways as um, an employee. Right, mm. it can help you kind of acting as like a, a manager, a junior manager, yeah, that's great. Um, especially with Upserve Workforce, which can help you um, also set up your uh, scheduling, right? Which is another thing where you know keep your chef in the kitchen, not worrying about ordering or scheduling. Upserve can help with that. Uh, there's over 45 integrations in the Upserve marketplace. You can make the most of your POS with experience-enhancing integrations. 
uh, from Gusto Gather and Single Platform. Upserve is the one-stop shop for you, whether your servers are in the dining room or outside also. I know you love this one. This is a, I'm a big fan of the table side the mobile? POS. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. Yeah, that way, again, your servers aren't getting cluttered in one weird part of the dining room. Uh, and they can do certain things from uh, you know anywhere. You can you, you don't have to be triple sat and then be clog the kitchen up with uh, you know fifteen orders that are coming back. Of course, there's uh, the US based support for Upserve that's available twenty four hours, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year. To learn more about Upserve and save one thousand dollars on a new POS today, visit upserve.com slash starving. That's U-P-S-E-R-V-E dot com slash starving for $1,000 off. We're grateful for uh, Upserve for being a great sponsor. We're also incredibly grateful for our next guest. Here she is, Ashley Christensen. First of all, congratulations on like, I mean, you've, you've been incredibly popular and successful for a number of years, but this has been a pretty... Remarkable, ba- pretty year. banner year. Yeah, it's been an epic year for yeah. sure. For I sure, mean, very excited. Uh, explain the award to our listeners <laughs> that you just walked home with. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, in 2014, we took home uh, the James Beard Award for Best Chef Southeast. Yes, uh, with our first restaurant, Pools Diner, and uh, we just recently took home Outstanding Chef in the Country. That's amazing. I yeah. love how you set it up too. Like, hey, it started in 2014. The awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we it started rolled climbing. out here, yeah. and then we went. We won the regional. Well, I, and then you just won like the world championship. <laughs> well, I bring it up because of like thinking about how special it felt to um, folks cooking in North Carolina at that time, mm. you know, to, uh, and, and Raleigh specifically. It was the first time that uh, the Southeast Award had ever landed in the, the capital yeah, city. Yeah, it was kind of like North a little like, flare going off yeah. in, in North Carolina. Like, yeah. we're here, guys. <laughs> and that, you know, one of my favorite things is um, we love running restaurants, employing great folks driving the industry forward but i love being a part of a community that you watch grow and change so much and i, mm-hmm. I just think mm-hmm. it's a an unbelievable restaurant community and so it belongs to everyone there i think well i mean awesome. the, this is the the these, these are the good times for chefs reminding themselves that community is such a big part of it not just Absolutely. with their guests but with their staffs you've always been a strong practitioner of like your restaurant staff is your family and that's a community in and of itself to the point where in this award, didn't you roll like deep into the awards? We rolled, we rolled very deep, and I'll back up and not, not okay, in the sense yeah. of like correcting you, but I do, I do have a, a personal philosophy that I want very much for our team to never feel. I don't want them to think of me as their family. I want to mm-hmm. be their crew because we're That's constantly, right. fo- we want, we're constantly focusing on the idea of making sure that people strive to go home and build family or nourish family mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and not to say i understand you know there's a, there's a yeah, connection yeah. Uh, yeah. unlike any other industry in our industry and it's very special but uh, we've had to really work hard to remind folks that work-life balance and your life at home is a big contributing factor to your success in the walls of the restaurants yeah. as well. I so. love I love the way you um, tackle that philosophically, yeah, right? Because yeah. it is, I mean, I just did it right there. You throw the word family into it, yeah. and then you spend so much time with your crew. Sure. And then the, like, like it's easy to sort of blur those lines. For I mean, even just for the it's management. It's an industry issue, for yeah, sure. For the management side of it, right, too, yeah. as well? Like, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think it's something that we... Um, you know, I'm a product of, of that world, you know, that where you went in and you, you were there all day and you mm-hmm. worked to prove your worth. And, uh, and, and of course you felt like those folks were your family because you spent more time with them than anyone else in your life. And uh, so it feels like a real important conversation. And it's not that I don't want to, I care about everyone course, who's on our teams, you know, as, as, you know, to the degree that I care about, 
um, family, but I have to like discipline myself to make time that is personal. Mm -hmm. And when I do, I'm so much better at the work Mm -hmm. that I do within the restaurant. And is it it not only that, is it also that um, when you differentiate between family and crew, Aren't you kind of holding people accountable a little bit more? Absolutely. Because when you're with your yeah, family, we, it's... Well, and I oh, think when we look at a, all the wild um, stories that have been shared over the last couple of years, yes. uh, there's a lot of manipulation that's... Absolutely. For, and it's, it's not... I, I believe like when, when we were operating in the... When I was a member of someone else's team and we were talking about it like it was family, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I was a product of that at the time, but um, it's an opportunity to manipulate... The relationship of folks who work towards a goal mm-hmm. with you um, and it's also on the other side of things like when people treat you like th- th- you're uh, yes. someone who leads their family they expect more leniency and, mm-hmm. and you, you don't hold each other equally ac- right. accountable as you should so um, you know I want it to be as blissful and, and as exciting as it can be I want to be surrounded by people that I want to see succeed and that I'm pulling mm-hmm. for and gunning for but like you know uh, there it's it's a Language is so important. Yes. Right now. Yeah. So no. I mean, I, mean I, I, guess, like, I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I feel well, like, can you can you like roll that out? Yeah. <laughs> nationwide. Well, it, can that, know, that idea? I mean, because I think it's important. It's a conversation that we we keep we keep going. Yeah. We all do. All, yeah. of, all of us sitting at this table and, and beyond. But you, you mentioned. I, I don't want to lose track of the wonderful moment that was um, how we rolled into the awards. Yes. yes. We we, uh, we got to do a, a part a, a partnership with Makers Mark. Uh, the Saturday before where we got to throw a derby party, which was to me just the ultimate privilege to get to go to Chicago, bring a big crew of right. like our team. So we yeah. had like eight folks with us and we cooked for all, a ton of professionals who are coming into Chicago and there are all these different things to do and everyone wants to go out to eat and all yes. that stuff. And we got to throw this afternoon party for the derby and it was such an opportunity like let's cook all the stuff and like just make everyone feel really welcome who's rolling into chicago and it gave me uh, financially speaking the opportunity to bring in crew right and, yeah. and to have yeah. them at the awards with us because you know you, you get nominated you know this was our second nomination for this award but we've been up for outstanding restaurant for right, taxes right. Mm-hmm. um and and you know a handful of years for for uh, uh southeast and it's expensive so it's, uh, it's it's really cool when you get to like share it with more people than your balance sheet says right. you're able to, right. you know, yes. but, but we, so we rolled in with, uh, eight folks from our team and then, uh, a bunch of our community who supports the work we do in the restaurants, uh, the community work that we love to support both, uh, in, in our city and well beyond our zip code. Uh, it's a very generous community and they're just, they're in it, you know, and wow. we've got a lot of close friends who became our friends, like through the work in the restaurants, which is really cool. Yeah. So we had, um, I think we had 32 people with us, so yes. eight That's of awesome. us and then so your, everyone your else were our yeah. pals Roll who indeed. wanted to be there and we got to sit together and, That's amazing. and then, uh, the, um, Highwire Charleston folks who were nominated for beverage, uh, reached out and they're like can we all sit together and we <laughs> so reached out early nice enough party. and they were right behind <laughs> yeah. us so we had you know charleston in the house with this big big southeast oh i love so that it's really so fun. it's sort of like um you know the the few times you've been lucky enough to like go to the emmys and mm-hmm. like you're sitting behind the whole cast of game of thrones yeah. <laughs> right yes <laughs> right so um like when, when when your crew when your team wins like everyone just everyone like, stands up but it's, like, yeah it's, it's amazing it's the delegation yeah. i know Carolina i was gonna say it's kind of like a super delegate right <laughs> well and it was really um it was fun hearing folks who were watching live or watching after to say like 
we could tell when Carolina loves someone because like, you know, our crew is just like erupting for all the various folks around the country who we love the work they're doing and believe it's a part of the path forward for the industry. Right. So Do you think now as someone who lived in the South for a little bit, but I always hesitate to like call myself a Southerner, even though it like won me over yeah, basically yeah. The, as a stubborn Yankee, eventually <laughs> the, South, the South won. Um, like, do you think we've reached that point now where even like in an award ceremony where it is about like the regional differences of the South, not just the South, which means right. it's a pretty big area in multiple states and regions. And Yeah, well, yeah. And, and I think that category, um, the South and Southeast are very interesting categories. Mm-hmm. And you cover a lot of very interesting territory and the yeah. stories that um, those, those places are, are based on and, you know. I, you know that I'm very active in the Southern Foodways Alliance. Sure. It's been really interesting to even learn more about the history of the South and its importance in deciding the future of, of, of the South. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of a, a wild thing. And I, I think that uh, there's something there that is unique from anything else. Like it's a, it's a broader community that has a name on it, you know, that right. where, where, and I love, we, we bring in a lot of guest chefs and guest psalms and various speakers. And it is a place that I think leaves, has an impact and people go like, this is just different than any of the other places I go. And I, I love as a participant of, of, you know, hospitality experiences, experiencing that in other communities. I mm. love Los Angeles. Kate, my fiance is from Los Angeles. We just, uh, I just spoke at Gavin Kaysen's um, company sort of retreat That's in right. Minneapolis. Cool. What a cool town. <laughs> right. it's been in Minneapolis. Yeah, I'm there yeah. this week, actually. Yeah, so it's we, it's different than anywhere I've ever been in like yeah. the heart of the food there. Like there's, there's something so neat about. It's more uh, than wild rice. Well, well exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the wild rice. But, but my dad's right, real, my exactly. dad is from New York, came to the South, lives at the tip of the North Fork of Long Island now. And he's so excited. We're, Andrew Zimmer will be at the wedding next week. And my dad is like pumped about the wedding. But more excited to talk about wild rice, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but but it is there's something really cool about um, regionality that is not limiting. You right. know, like to be in a place, have a perspective, and be really excited about having it opened up by other places. Yeah, I, I've, I always said, and I probably stole it from someone to be honest, but like <laughs> Southern food is like the only, or maybe one of the only, like true American foods, right? Because its mm. history is so deep and rich, and like. You know, you can say that there's New York food, but really, what is it? Yeah. You know, like you might say the Jewish delicatessen is very New York food, but it's the South has this rich history. It does. And it's it is um, a food of its place, but its place is uh, its history is tumultuous and true, there's true, so true. much that so. contributes. But there, you know, now as we look back, we look at folks like Glenn Roberts dialing back and identifying all these amazing heirloom crops and what define, like, you know, Sean Brock is very famous for noting that, you know, what, what makes these classic dishes, what they are, are the ingredients that were grown in the South. And there are a lot of stories that brought those ingredients there. I think that's one of the beauties of the South, especially, I mean, Sean's a friend of ours and, and, uh, you know, you and him and, and many other chefs, at some point, like, food was getting, like, you know, there were people like me, like, splashing liquid nitrogen around and doing, like, really, really, like, scientific, like, oh, it's, this is the food we're going to eat on spaceships. And then... Sean like, was the first one to bring liquid nitrogen into my kitchen. <laughs> right. there, there, there you go, right? But he's using it to, like, crack seeds or, like, there's, yeah, sure. there's other uses of it. But, like, turning the page backwards to move yeah. forward, I feel like that really happened in the South, right? Uh, Where, yeah, for sure. For and sure. um, I'm always blown away. Like we'll do a dish every once in a while that's um, uh, potatoes cooked in turpentine, which I'm, mm. like I think Sean has done this dish too. And then people, when, when I do it, people are like, 
whoa, you must have been hanging out with Wiley Dufresne like, on the spaceship. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's from like the original Cracker Barrel yeah. menu. And it's like, I guess a very... I was next to a tractor in the South. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like an old Southern recipe. But I think yeah. sometimes when you go backwards, right, yeah. well, you can find things that seem new. Right. Yeah. And well, and I think the the important part of that conversation is to go backwards. You have to acknowledge everything that was a part of that conversation to discover its gems. And so mm-hmm. th- I think that's a that's a conversation that's been happening for. And again, I think the SFA is a big part of that conversation. And uh, you know, really acknowledging the full history of course. to move forward. So. How how much of that history or the story, and it, not even just the South, but ingredients in general, or your techniques, or your yeah. crew. Um, do you think there's a point in a restaurant where you can tell too much? Like, when do you tell mm. the guest, this is from this farm and this is the story behind <clears throat> it? Like, how do you do it? Like- you know, my approach is um, when we want to bring attention to something on the menu, we do. Uh, you know, the, putting, a, putting a name, mm. we don't always have a name next to something on the menu. But if we want to start to launch someone who's doing a really cool thing, we want Right. Young cooks who might be eating there to see that name and ask, where do I find this? Um, otherwise, I th- my path for that is to make something that is so um, deceptively simple. And I, I don't often use the word deceptive, but I like the idea of that with simplicity. <laughs> right. Where someone looks at it and just goes, huh. And like they roll their shoulders back. And they take a bite of it and they look up and they go, wow, what is, what is happening in this dish? You know, and I think that's, mm. that's the opportunity for storytelling. Now, mm. of course, training your staff to be totally prepared for all the questions <laughs> to, and, and also to share information when someone may believe something is something that it might not be. Oh. Those are the places where I, where I think it's important to like guide with more verbiage. But otherwise, I like to make food that makes people go, it looks so simple. What is going on in here, and what is this? What is this tiny field pea? How? Why is the acid where it is without mm. blowing my mind? Why? And, why can I drink wine next to this vinegar? You know, what's the, what's the story here? Right. So, and so, are you born and bred North Carolina? I was born in uh, Greensboro. Grew up in Kernersville, a little tiny town between Winston Salem and Greensboro. Moved to Raleigh to go to school at NC State the right. day after okay. I turned eight. So there you go. So I was yeah. going to. So I spent a little time in the region. Yeah. And your college allegiance is a pretty big deal there. Yeah. Right? Well, you there's know, the, at least three schools. Well, right? you've, you've got UNC, yeah. uh, NC State, Duke, and there are a ton of colleges. Right. Great, yeah. great schools oh, yeah. there. But um, you know, the everyone is so again, like you said, the <laughs> allegiances are huge. But what someone taught me a long time ago is if you're going to own a business, you're a fan of the college, the college system. <laughs> this is true. Right. Yes. Which works for me. Just as yeah. you know, as a sports yeah, you fan, have no allegiance like to I have a UNC yeah. for no reason except I like Carolina blue. Like yeah. I like the color. I yeah. have the hat. Looks good on you. If I'm going to do something <laughs> in your Chapel eyes Hill, out. I'm wearing yeah. that hat. Uh, that works. But you're right. As, as a business person, right, you have to. Uh, yeah. And I, we've only, again, having lived in the South for a number of years, no one, no one really gets down like that anywhere else. In like as far as like the oh, rivalry, oh, you mean only of, in the South, yeah, of like yeah. sports and How colleges deep, yeah. and just yeah. like everything. It gets pretty, pretty. Well, yes. like no one since we moved to California, no one's yelled at me on a Saturday. Like when we do our projections, you know, we take we take the tournament into consideration. Yeah, it's of big. course. It's a Are it's you busier really, or slower? Well, what it happens depends, then? Like, yeah. it depends on what time the games right. are and all that good and stuff. If any of them we, are near we don't really you, we have like a single T V in the fried chicken joint, a single T V in the burger place. Otherwise we don't have yeah. TVs like in yeah. right. in the so, other restaurants. So well, it's first of all, this is great for some past business partners that I have that I've had to have this fight with them before. And, like, you're obviously so successful. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a TV in a restaurant, especially if it's, like, just an extra little element that's going to yeah. bring people there to eat and drink. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it doesn't need to be a hundred. Right. You know, when you talk about big, the but. sort of, like, all people concepts, you know, the things that are, like, 
you can bring your kids. You can bring, you know, like nobody's bringing four kids to death in taxes for a wood fire <laughs> dinner, but right. they're coming to Beasley's, you know, and, and I think it really is. Um, I, I hope and like to think we have a lot of diversity across our brands, but uh, our more accessible all day brands, they're just much more. You know, there's a lot more family there, a lot more diversity, and that's a place when you're got your elbows down on the bar eating a piece of fried chicken or a great burger. You know, you want to see the game. You yeah. know, you want to see what's. And we only play. We don't. We don't just run television or news. We only play sports. We only play unless there was something like yeah. massive going on in the nation. We might right. hear that. But it's a part yeah. of. Uh, but it's a. What I loved you said is it's a part of the business plan, right? Yeah. Like people do need to think about those things. Like you said, sure. like who's in the tournament? When is the game? Yeah, that's it's like going a holiday. Yeah. It's going to affect your scheduling. Like Absolutely. not to turn this into a business podcast, no, but, but it, it affects you know, so many it's, things. It's a at at the point of what we're doing. You know, you guys and, and us at, at this point. That's it's part of the conversation. As is the conversation of you know, like I like the conversation of televisions. I. I hold myself very accountable to never just say something's going to be this way. Right. I say this is how I feel about it right now. And Has it always is, been that is, way, or is that no? Is it hasn't I, always I, been that okay. way. You know, and I, but I would say in the last like um, six years, I've really it, maybe longer than that. I don't know. I, I, but I, I think don't I, what I'm battling in growth is um, or, or have battled previously. It, we had to like really clear clear the the screen with everyone when I would walk in as we grew. I'd walk into a place. And someone would tell me why they were doing something that way. And they would say, I, because I was told that that's the only way you like it. You know, and it's right. like, who told you that? Mm, right. <laughs> you know, and then I think back and it's very different than when you're working in one restaurant, you're the center you're cook there, and the yeah. expo and the GM, you know, and like everyone's around you and then you grow oh, yeah. and the messages yeah. just and get, get the whispers. And, do. The, right. and so I just try and make sure um, I try and make sure that I'm all I, I try and pr- approach every day with change in mind. Like, how can change be a great thing today? What can I look at that I thought was 100% yesterday and go, maybe I should look at that a little differently. I think that is the ultimate responsibility of a restaurateur and to, to keep concepts, um, you know, relevant for the teams that work in them and, mm. and, and deserve that. Yeah. And how often are you totally flipping the script on those then? How often are you I mean, looking at something not, and being like, this is not like a ridiculous. crazy person, but, <laughs> right. like, but I do, you know, I'm still solving our first restaurant will be um, 12 in December. Congratulations. Thank you. It opened in 2007. Yeah. 12. So what did we, we have this sort of like, we have the metric like, for that, what it means in human years. Yeah. It's like a hundred. <laughs> it's like a hundred, I think. No, no. 20 is a hundred. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So it's close. You get up at 70. So 12 years. Yeah. Shoot at 70. Let's say 65. Let's say that's still really young. That is a tremendous achievement, right? Well, yeah. but it was so like, at, well, especially at 12 when you, years, I mean, 2007, that wasn't an easy time to be no, open a restaurant. Wasn't. But you know, that, that was what really centered that concept. I, you know, yeah. I wanted to, I'd been in restaurants as we all have, where folks look at you and say, we love this restaurant so much. It's our favorite restaurant. We come here for birthdays and anniversaries. Mm. And it's just like oh. dagger through the heart, <laughs> kiss people of People have no idea that that's a hurtful thing to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Listen, so, if you're listening to this podcast and some people are not cooks and listen to this podcast. <laughs> no. And like you, you do it in my restaurants too. <laughs> yeah. It's like we want you to come more than twice a year. Yeah. Well, so, so Pools was that opportunity for me. My dad was a truck driver when I was a kid. He loves diners, you know, like he loved the wa- loves the Waffle House and like, you know, all the, that, that idea. And there's something to it. You walk into a diner and you immediately feel welcomed. And so what I saw the opportunity to do was to like take that um, com- comfort is like what is what centers, I think, all of our concepts. But certainly that first concept, this old American diner from the early 50s. It was a luncheonette, double horseshoe bar. No one would ever give that real estate to that much space right. for the bartender to stay behind now. But it's such a cool thing because anyone who's sitting at the bar, 
isn't awkwardly elbowed or shoulder to shoulder with someone. They're sort of pointed at them and people talk to each mm-hmm. other and they make, they make friends. And, but I, what, what I knew about that place was that we could um, center it in comfort and find a way to connect with all these different versions of dining with folks. So I want the folks who are going to stop by on their way home and have the thing they love. I want mm-hmm. them to bring uh, their husband or wife or kid back to celebrate a birthday six days later, come to brunch because that menu is different. We don't do all those things. And, and we found uh, when we opened, we we're seven days now and we do two days of brunch, Saturday and Sunday. But when we opened, we did Wednesday through Saturday and Sunday brunch. Right. And we had five shifts that a team of people could work all of them together. Nothing was lost in translation. And that's yeah. where we learned to push those ideas and figure out how to make this comfort food something that intrigued people and that they went in thinking they knew everything about it and had a bite and said, wow, what's going on in here? And and that's how we continue to push ourselves. The advanced specialists at the Center for Innovative GYN Care developed groundbreaking minimally invasive techniques to treat fibroids, endometriosis, and other GYN conditions. In response to growing concerns over the coronavirus, CIGC now offers e-visits. We know GYN conditions don't stop affecting your life. CIGC wants to be here for you as you seek options to find relief from debilitating gynecologic symptoms such as abnormal bleeding and pelvic pain. With telemedicine options now available, book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. That's InnovativeGYN.com or 888-SURGERY. Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. Listen up, ladies. Are you looking for a relatable, unapologetic view on life? The Ladies Like Us on podcast is now on the Lady Gang Network and Podcast One. Let Nazanin, Mandy, and Nadia Moham provide you with a modern-day women's perspective on the universal issues we face each and every day. Download new episodes of Ladies Like Us with Nazanin and Nadia every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Were you ever the chef that didn't want to cook comfort food? Or like a lot of us, uh, like myself, like we struggle with, like we want to go eat, we eat at the Waffle House after yeah. the shift is yeah. over. We go to the diner, yeah. but in the restaurant, for some reason, you know, for me, it's like always the thing with a burger. Like my first job was at a McDonald's. Yeah. So was, like, mine was Subway. Get, oh, me, right. me and Gavin Kaysen have oh, that in there you go. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm with him next week. So I'm going to oh, cool. bring that up. Yeah. Um, and it's like for the longest time, I think just because I had that is like, oh, I'm not going to cook burgers anymore. Right. I didn't want to do that. Then I realized, wow, I really, I really like yeah. double cheeseburgers I, I should probably use this and people like to eat it yeah so did, did was that like a transition for you or were you always like comfortable with cooking food that people want to eat so the way that the way that worked for me and i and i love that you brought it up because i think it's a really important thing for um young chefs and cooks finding themselves to acknowledge and realize when I, when i you know i loved cooking the food that i loved to cook but i was i had this insecurity about what other people knew how to do that i didn't know how to do mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i love the part where you look at something that someone's doing and you explore it and you wonder how you connect with it but i don't think it should ever make you feel less than who you are mm-hmm. in, in relationship with the food that you love so i think we all work to find um the confidence in our own stories and I think that's a really important thing. And I now feel very um, driven to help others, you know, r- recognize, um, you know, the, the confidence in, in, in their stories. Mm-hmm. And so it that to me is the greatest measure of maturity in cooking is realizing that the things that you love and the story that belongs to you that can be constantly evolving is worth telling and worth being mm-hmm. defined by. You yeah. know? And, 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 and uh, that to me, I remember, I don't know what year it was, but I remember how it felt 
when I began to absolutely believe not just in the present present version of my story, but what it could build into for mm. my future. Yeah. Now, did you ever toy around with? Did you cook in other venues and other regions? And you know what I mean? Did not, you did you toy really. around with other cuisines? Or I mean, I mean, just... you know, I've, I was, um, you know, I, I went to college on a um, veteran scholarship. My dad is mm. a Vietnam vet, and um, I never planned on graduating, and I succeeded in that goal. <laughs> I took four years of classes, but I, I refer to my second scholarship as my roommates all chipping in in this house we lived in. We would throw these dinner parties, you know, oh, and so wow. I would always, I spent my early college years teaching myself to cook things that I'd never cooked before, but really grounded in um, all the things I grew up with about food. Both my parents are incredible cooks. I grew up with big gardens and mm. preservation and all those things. So um, that was me sort of like finding myself. Yeah. And then I, tr then I would like read constantly and like go get that reservation, which I, I do a little reservation dining these days, but I'm like, just like the rest of us, I love to go grab a seat at the bar and have that impromptu yeah. experience these days. Um, but yeah, so I think that my adventures were almost like, um, in my imagination and, and just like sourcing weird ingredients and playing around and yeah. then figuring out where that fit into the, the food that I cook now. And I, you know, the uh, the uh, the whole idea of like um, technology and cooking, yeah. I, lo I love it, but I love to use it to better my processes for the food that I've always, you know, for for a good long while now, wanted to deliver. Right, not just something that you saw on YouTube or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I always say too, like, um, you know, like, oh, someone wants to make a spherified frozen hollandaise, yeah. like. Let's start with holidays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there was a moment in time where I was very worried about the future of cooking because there were a lot of kids learning to cook yeah. who weren't smelling food or hearing it. Mm -hmm. And I think we felt that blip, and I think we all did, you know, for, you know, the, the young cooks who were coming up at that time that it was like, man, we got to do a little reset here. we got to mm. let's sit down and talk about this. Yeah, there is a lot. I mean, and I, I do uh, most of my cooking, quite honestly, at home now just yeah. for the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there was a moment the other day where I was – I had something in a food processor – and it wasn't a smooth puree, which like my classical instincts are like, this must be silky yeah. smooth. And it wasn't like chunky by intent. It was somewhere like in the middle where I like it. And I was like, let's just go with this. And yeah. so like, like little, let, let's explore the idea of the fact that this isn't either of the things that I think it should be. Yeah. This was um, the carrot hummus. This was the carrot. <laughs> that the, be pretty good. Charred chunky carrot hummus carrot, that ended up good. being Everybody the family it. enjoyed. I, yeah. I quite didn't like it, but... <laughs> I, I think it was because I was fighting through yeah, the, you like, were still hummus is smooth. Debating. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, if it's going to be chopped, it should be chopped rough. And yeah. just, I, I, you, you only get that from hands-on cooking, looking at things. Like you're saying, Absolutely. smelling. And you had mentioned hearing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I talk like about that a lot. When, when, um, using when your I, senses? When I, yeah, when, well, when I teach you know, demo or, or teach cooking, you know, um, we have a really cool demo space in our up above death and taxes. Smart, smart. It's great, and we get to welcome friends who are on book tour, and they do demos, yeah. and we do cocktail parties up there and stuff. But when I teach, I always talk about, um, you know, the the cues that I want people to understand. These are the measurements we use, yeah. But I don't think it's ever worth teaching anyone how to cook something if you can't give them some version of freedom within that recipe. And and you know, you talk about like some something, you know, like the modern version of emulsifying something generally is in a food processor, and there is there's that moment where it makes a different sound, and when we cook. We do like a, a chicken liver mousse at pools that when we've always done. Yeah, when it catches, <laughs> catches. Yeah, and there's and the funny like in a vinaigrette for sure. And then like um, we we do this chicken liver mousse where we it's it's kind of like a, a, a dirty process. It's not totally fun to watch for folks who don't cook all the time, but where you're buzzing chicken livers right. with cold butter and you're watching it and it's it's everyone's like trying to watch the butter go away like it 
perfectly emulsifies, but you can watch, but you can shut your eyes and you can hear it when it snaps, you know, and it's like, and you look at it and it's just pure and perfect and so smooth. And then you run it through the Tammy. <laughs> yeah. And those are the things too. I mean, even as someone, I just did my presentation earlier today. It's like, we forget sometimes just cause we're in the industry, you know, like, yeah, you, people still do need to hear like, the pan has to be hot. This is what yeah. it sounds like. All the things that we've been trained with. Like sometimes we skip those steps yeah, like in, well, in demo, especially. I love the cues and I, and I love, as I said, I just love giving people freedom and cooking, you know, like what's, who wants to be at home just like, <laughs> looking and weighing and doing it, you know, and, and some, sometimes it matters. It, it often matters, but like you gotta, I think if you're gonna, if you want to cook, if you really, mm-hmm. even as a hobbyist cook, you know, to like be able to go, well, here's this thing I grew up that I love mm-hmm. with, that I love, that I want to incorporate into that. So to, to show more people that cook, it, it needs, per, per, we, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we need merge lanes, you yeah. know, we need places yeah. where all I love it. I'll use the, together. I'm going to use a basketball reference just because <laughs> you're representing uh, <laughs> the NC state. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like dribble drive pass, right? Like yeah. every recipe should have that. Okay. This recipe needs cilantro. Go Guess here, what? Here, Is there here. another sweet herb that you have in the there pantry? Yeah. That's going to work. It's one of the reasons why I actually love cooking on television in yeah. a competitive way. Cause it's one of the only ways where there's like improv. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. And, and like sometimes you just have to make a decision and something works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but like, there's not a lot of like, it seems like you teach that within your team yeah. and your crew. But a lot of people are like, no, if I don't have this ingredient for the recipe, I can't do this. Yeah. Yes, you can. Is well, there another fat instead of olive oil or butter or whatever it is? You could probably make it happen. Or- absolutely. And, and I think that ultimately translates also to like restaurant management and to mm-hmm. how folks oh. operate and handle themselves, you know, that, that improvisation and, and, uh, taking chances. Uh, we work in the best business in the world to be willing to make a mistake in because we have all the tools to fix Mm. it (laughs) and rather it's another egg yolk or it's inviting that guest back, giving them your cell phone number and getting them a table at a restaurant where you don't take reservations. All the things. I I often say a problem is the best opportunity to like win a guest for a long time. And, And in a way that is more meaningful than a perfect quote perfect i have a hard time with that word but a perfect dining experience you have a tough time with perfect because Uh, it does not exist or because i just think that to say we want something to be perfect is to imply a ceiling and i believe that uh the experiences we have the opportunity to create um my team as a collective can take us far beyond what my version of perfection might be as long as we keep that lid open Mm -hmm. and so we work very hard to uh go be as great as we can every day and to make the mistakes we're going to make, pull ourselves back together and approach the next day a little more informed and to figure out how to, how to take it beyond what it was the day before. Nice. And I love that. And this is going to go back to the whole team sort of aspect too and the work-life balance. It's a Marco Pierre White quote that mm. I've quoted many times on this podcast. But at the end of the day, it's just food. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> like it is very serious. It's our craft. It's our livelihood. It's our yeah. business. But at the end of the day, it's nourishment. And food, right? Yeah, or- and, and I'll, I'll bring that back to a, a sort of interesting place. We, we have uh, one of my best friends is a guy named Matthew Fern. He was our uh, beverage director, GM of our first restaurant. He then became the beverage director of the whole company. And he would always say, look, we're not, we're not saving lives here. Right. You know, like, right. And it would get everyone a little calmer. But what I like to – I'm really just thinking about this now. But we have the opportunity to create experiences for people who do save lives. Who they, The experiences will be meaningful enough – that how many doctors do you know who say, if you ever need anything, you reach out to me. So we actually could save our own lives by (laughs) caring about our work in this fluid way that allows it to be a living, breathing thing that we're always taking care of. And And I love this conversation. And it also, also, I mean, since we're talking about doctors, like 
we make things that people put in their bodies. Yeah. yeah. Like it is like if you just like think about that and disconnect it from like the food and yeah. media and restaurants, that's an incredible like uh, responsibility. You know, responsibility. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think it's a whole separate podcast, but if you think about it, we do a thing where strangers have an established level of trust Absolutely. for us by sitting yes. down and that allows us to connect to our community work to provide you know running busy restaurants uh creating great jobs but like the community looks to you because not just because you feed them because they're hungry but because they trust you to feed them and they trust you to take take them on adventures and they come along on all the other ones too and it's like uh it's to me that is as a as a restaurant person that is what centers me in my community when did you you had mentioned first your 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 what is it your business Acumen is mm-hmm. just like outstanding. Super high. Thanks. <laughs> when did you, um, I knew you've used the word restaurateur a few times today. Were you ever uncomfortable moving from chef to the, like, have you ever been uncomfortable at the word restaurateur? Because I, 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 I still am like, ah, I, I, I'm it's not sure. It's a thing that I'm, I'm starting to acknowledge the importance of the responsibility in that. Right. Like, we, I think we have to do that to be able to lead in a broader sense at a higher level um, because. The way that we have dynamic teams, I now am the you know boss of a whole level of directors, and those right. folks don't work in the restaurants every day, right. so it's a different job. And mm-hmm. and so we have we do have to find a way to sort of like celebrate that because the opportunity to um, have positive influence from that place is really I think well beyond uh, what we can do if we. Box, our, box ourselves in our, our kitchens alone, you know, because we're, we're meant to do something that I don't want to call it bigger. It's just different, you know, and, and um, well, yeah. and the growth couldn't come without that. It, it can't. And, and what I will say is like for the discomfort, um, I think that many of us have this in common. It was less about am I comfortable with it? It was about how guilty do I feel about being it, living this different life than being. Mm-hmm. Elbow to, elbow to elbow with everybody. Mm-hmm. I went from having uh, about 26 employees to having a, about 126 employees in 30 days. Wow. And I, it nearly killed me. Yeah, you know? and then, I can understand that. <laughs> and then I showed a little vulnerability, acknowledged what was going on, talked about it, and then we slowly built it all back up. And mm-hmm. it never, from the outside, it never totally like fell apart or anything. It was just yeah. like, it's a change. Yeah. It's a change, and especially when you can't just look around and go, Hey everybody! Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because right. you can't do that when you own six <laughs> right. restaurants. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Well, everyone just heard. Feel, everyone heard what you mean. You know, yeah, and, you're calming my own personal insecurities yeah. a little bit. I think so, a, a lot of it for me was, is that too. It's like when someone says, "Oh, I haven't seen you in a while." You know, in the yeah. restaurant, and you're like, you're like "Oh, oh I've been yeah. work, but, I've, <laughs> but no, I've been working every day. Like you yeah. haven't seen me for a little while, but literally every day I've been working. Yeah, and it's just like that. It's the line cook mentality. Yeah, it goes totally. back to that old school archaic thing that you right. had mentioned, which yeah. I love. I'm going to squash using the word family now yeah. because like it was that. like You had to be chained to that stove with your line cooks. And if you weren't, you weren't part of that family. Right. And the, and the, guilt. The, guilt yeah. the guilt. The guilt exists in families. Thing. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> and it should stay there. Should right? Stay only is, is there. That, so it's not just a Northeastern <laughs> thing? That's <laughs> well, yeah. It's pretty heavy in the Northeast, but I think it's everywhere. So will you go – real quick before we get into that – the, the names of all your restaurants mm-hmm. are really cool and unique. Will you yeah. just give us like a brief like how couple? Do you name a yeah, like, how are you named as yeah. quickly as I can? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, pools we inherited. That okay. was, uh, that was the name of my the... landlord is yeah. the daughter of John Poole, oh. and she's in her eighties. And they are just amazing folks. I'm very proud of what we're doing, which wow. is exciting. Yes. Would would be if we're under original leadership, would be the third oldest restaurant in downtown Raleigh. So it feels mm-hmm. very important to preserve. Yes, um, Beasley's, Chucks, and Fox 
or in an old Piggly Wiggly. Um, Beasley, uh, my, when I was a kid, my mom fried beautiful fried chicken. She's from Memphis, Tennessee. My dad was a hobbyist beekeeper, and we would always eat fried chicken with honey drizzled over it. So your, be- your dad is fascinating. Yeah, he's great. Totally. He's an amazing guy. He should like have a podcast. First of all, he and Andrew Zimmerman are going to yeah. get along really well. Oh my really God, well. they're, they're going to have the best time. But um, uh, I don't have a middle name, and I don't know if you guys remember that show, All, all, all Family Affair? They're all in the family? Family Affair, I think it was okay. called. And there was a, a character, uh, Miss Beasley, and she was this doll. She was this uh, little old lady, and uh, nice. uh, little old lady doll. And my, <laughs> when I would throw a fit when I was a kid, my mom would say, "You look just like a little old lady. You, we're gonna call you Beasley." And that became <laughs> so. Uh, I don't have a middle name, but my mom calls that me Beasley, it, yeah. and so I thought, you know, time to own up to that. And so we call we. The first restaurant to open was Beasley's Chicken and Honey, nice. and it's great, man. Oh, it's such a, a cool concept, name. and it's one of those things. Chefs sit down, they're like, "We need one of these in our city." It's so crush <laughs> right. it. Well, it's crush it people have probably done that. Yeah, <laughs> done it, yeah. yeah. And then we have a burger joint next door called Chuck's. Um, we grind the Chuck muscle. Yep. We use uh, Joyce Farms. So I imagine you guys are familiar with, and uh, with your Atlanta connection, yep. and uh, uh, so it's like a grass-fed Chuck muscle burger. Cool. We call it Chuck's, uh, just hand-spun milkshakes, sometimes with booze in them, uh, should you choose to do so. <laughs> and uh, and then underneath, we have a cocktail lounge called Fox, and Fox is my dad's name. And uh, we wanted to... Yeah, he keeps I, getting more interesting. Well, well, yeah, well, there were all these, at the time, the, these guys are all, uh, gosh, how old are they now? They're eight this summer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're eight in uh, uh, August and September. And so... Um, at the time, I started to travel, and I was, you know, acknowledging all these single note concepts, which I just love the idea of that, doing something, focusing mm-hmm. on it, yeah. you know, allowing it to branch out into all the things that complement it, but really focusing on one key thing. So all all of those places are that. But while traveling, I was going to all these great bars, and like there were all these cool speakeasies. And what I loved about what was happening was the quality of the drinks and the level of execution. What I didn't love was the exclusivity, and so mm-hmm. I wanted to do something that had a little more hospitality wrapped around it. So that's what we do down there. It's a, it's a, um, you know, it's a basement bar and, uh, it's great. We've got the best team we've ever had down there and we all, we nearly shut it down to reclaim hospitality and then we did it with the right team. So very Uh cool. And then death and taxes, which was maybe the coolest name. Yeah. So death and taxes is is in a building that, uh, was previously a mortuary. Um, an, inf- an infirmary followed by a mortuary followed oh. by a series of banks. So that's oh. where death and taxes come. It's oh. most likely haunted. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, it's de- also- let me tell you, it's, it's definitely haunted. It's gotta be. It's definitely I mean, that's a lot. I, firsthand, more it's so from the bank. I think. Yeah, like, well, maybe so. Yeah, right. more demons weird, there. So, weird stuff. Well, yeah. so uh, the wine cellar is old, old bank vaults, and um, but above that we have a pro- uh, project called Bridge Club, which is nice. uh, our private event space, the demo kitchen I mentioned, oh, cool. and then we seat about 120 on the third floor. We got a little side kitchen and. Uh, uh, Bridge Club to me was like the idea of like how our grandmothers spent time together. Definitely. So let's like yeah. figure out how we tap into the idea of like classic gathering, and it feels oh, like an old, it feels cool. like a somebody's loft space. I feel know? the names are so tightly knit. I'm assuming that you that's like a that's your thing. that's a thing for me, and, and I exactly. like um, I'm, I'm you know, haven't done any ground up stuff before. Uh, so like, you know, building a building on a lot or anything. So I connect with the ghost of a space and, mm-hmm. and think through Sometimes like literally. What the story that needs to continue to be told or be lit up, lit off the last. So yeah. our next concept, uh, 
my fiance Kate and I bought the building next to Pools Diner. It's our first commercial real estate wow, uh, for y- young business people out there. It has changed our funding model. It's amazing. Okay, we we uh, Kate and I own the company one hundred percent. We don't have any investors who amazing. have stakes. Uh, so next to Pools, uh, we bought this building. And we're calling it Poolside. It's yes. going to be our Na- Napoli-inspired pizza place. So it's Wonderful. like P-O-O-L-E apostrophe side. And it uh, has a swim club theme. And uh, we're looking. We're, I think we're uh, looking at July 14th for CFO. And then a month of training in the space. And we're super pumped about it. You're yeah, just amazing. taking over the world. Wow. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Ask you, we like to play a little game near the end of the podcast. Okay. Down. So this one, of course, because we like puns as well. It seems like you're, <laughs> you like puns. I, I'm yeah. a fan of a pun. Um, so this one's called Ask Me Another Question. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be job. a series of questions that are somewhat related. Just your quick thoughts on yeah. the yeah. thing that we're talking about. Yeah. I'll try hard not to give you oh. multiple answers. No, I'm no, bad at choosing. No, you're, uh, you're, you go as long as you want. Okay, here we go. Uh, beef tendons as an ingredient. It makes me think of John and Benny. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that <laughs> I think they do a great job on it. That's a nice, nice word association. Uh, bone broth. So now we're going to go deeper. Bone yeah. broth. Yeah. Deeper beef tendon. Is, is bone broth like meant to like make me like? What, what are your thoughts on bone broth? Am I bone mad broth? at the idea? Do you that like it? I, I am a. I am a. I will eat soup in the summer. I am a mm. broth person and and a you know melty liquidy deliciousness any time of year so you know whatever people have to call something to make use <laughs> See, of all the whatever the people have to call something to make use of all the, the parts chef, uh, personality yeah i mean i mean right? you know like look at how that term has allowed folks to raise and slaughter and make the most of animals to make a hard to profit in industry, more profitable. So bone broth, I'm down. There we go. So, and sometimes it's like an ingredient, right? The ingredient's just simmering away in the back yeah. kitchen forever. Yep. <laughs> and now it's marketed in a mason jar Hell and someone's yeah. making a lot of money off right it. On. Collagen as an ingredient. Hmm. Um, are this we talking like, about as a um, cosmetic ingredient or like a, a food? It's, it's <laughs> you can, you go, can, with, you can go with it how you want. I mean, let's talk about it as a food. I mean, I, I think know? about it a lot in a, in, a, in a sense of texture and like what gives things viscosity. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what, that, yeah. when you say that, I'm just picturing um, my uh, stock getting shiny. Oh, there again. you go. Um, or the the face cream that's uh, about or the to face be cream yeah. uh, and Jello, <laughs> Jello, yeah, just yeah. Jell-O. Well, I'll take that to, to uh, Jello as a brand or the idea of gelatin. Mm. Or where does oh, no. it where does it take I me? I mean, Jello, Jello as like J E L L O. Yeah, sure. Let's go yeah. with that. Let's um, go with it as a brand. What's yeah, it, what, uh, do you eat it? I don't. Do like it? I don't eat it. Uh, <laughs> like, but I do love panna cotta. Okay. <laughs> right. So, so, so yeah. So, but I would say you know Jello. Like it's a it's a I don't know why it, it's in hospitals, but you know. uh, there you go. You've had you have had it before. Oh yeah. Well, oh my god. So are yeah, you are you red or green Jello? I would probably be green over red. Oh, I think because oh, wow. I think it mixes into choice. all those weird salads. Like yeah, there's some green Jello. What's the one? My Waldorf salad is that the one with Jello? Something like that. It's like a cherry. It's not Waldorf. I'm from Florida. It's not a complete salad, but we would have some weird salads. Cherries and carrots. It'd be the kind of thing that if your aunt says, "Do you like it?" You're like. Yeah. I'm yeah. happy that you like it. Looks <laughs> yeah. like I guess it's not southern. You would know exactly. So it means it's Floridian. <laughs> I, I, I feel like Jello is pretty industrial, and I don't down. think that's a huge yeah. part of the previous uh, South. <laughs> next category, uh, we're in the world of tea. Boba tea. Boba tea. Yeah. Um, I think big straws. Um, I feel weird about like taking something in through a straw that you then chew personally. But it, okay. is, it is a very. Listen, I don't find comfort in it. Listen, I can save this for another open, but I was gonna. Not, I was gonna say I was going to save this, but I'll bring it up here. Some little girl in Asia somewhere had a hundred boba's in her stomach, 
and it was causing like blockages. Oh, oh wow! So like, well, she, so she ate probably it. too many. I think. Yes. Well, and I think and about maybe, like th- those kinds of starches. I yeah. feel like I don't know if you want to find a reason just to crush those to keep eating. You want them yeah. to do something to the texture of things, That's not true. just to like not bloop, just kind of hang it. I like the tea until it's funny. I like the tea. I don't actually like. The boba. I, I, always, I totally appreciate that this is on the yeah, list. My, my boba order is always like light on the boba. Totally. Yeah. I, think I don't even do the, it. At least I'm like no boba. I just put American coffee jelly Which that's funny because that's yeah. how I am with any kind of like ramen or any kind of brothy noodle soup. Yeah, I'm like, like I want keep more a lot broth of the stuff. noodles. I like the noodles, but. Nice. I'm a, ooh, this is a, oh, I like your ramen order. Yeah. Yeah. My ramen order is actually embarrassing. Double pork. Double pork, yeah. double noodles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always see the double noodle. I'm like, who does that? It's me. Now I know. It's me and some kid who takes cool Instagram pictures i'm sure yeah okay green tea green tea i yeah. love yeah um i yeah i mean my dad got me drinking green tea as like not a child but like as a young person and was always yeah. talking about the anti-carcinogen mm-hmm. you know, oh, properties wow. of okay. it and stuff so i've loved it for a long time and uh i've as of late been trying to we have a great little espresso machine at home where we can just crank out fresh ground you know it's automated it's yeah. not us like being artful but it's a Hira, and we just hit the button, and it makes we're, – we're very close to the base of counterculture, and they're our coffee brand. And nice. so I have my little order of counterculture comes every week, and I mm-hmm. can just jam out iced Americanos. But I've been trying to switch myself to only before 10, and then I go to green Ooh, tea. Oh, that's, uh, tough. that's yeah. tough. Matcha as a thing? Is matcha uh, going to be the next uh, – uh, I matcha it out, man. So I don't know. So I, matcha, I never really got into it. Yeah. I, I, never really I don't want to say – you know, I, I think it's it's an interesting ingredient, but I just don't want to see it all the time. It's a lot, you know, and it's yeah. – it's, uh, it's not going to be the next poke I'm not saying trend. it's not okay, you know, but like it's – I want it, I want to see it as occasionally as, um, you know, <laughs> anything else. Uh, yeah, there you go. I don't want to eat rosemary seven times a day either. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sweet tea. Sweet tea um, was a. I've always been what we call in the South a, a half cut. So like you know, Ooh, okay. so it's half half mm-hmm. sweet, half un. So mm-hmm. I, I would roll up to the Bojang, Bojangles drive-through with a little bit of a hangover and say I want a large um, half sweet, half un, half unsweet tea. And they go half cut iced tea next. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right, so it's like it's but, not, it's God, not even a term. really yeah. special order. But yeah, so not, not not so much anymore. I don't drink a lot of sweet tea anymore. Um, is it but something I, like I mean again I, I, as a as a New Yorker who came to the South I was always like what is this yeah kind of mean Snapple kinda, yeah like no no sweeter than that okay yeah, yeah. so um, I I that's not a place where I try and take in uh, where I don't use my sugar yeah, I don't yeah, use yeah, my yeah, sugar yeah, credits yeah, there yeah. anymore but I will say that my mother says that when I was a baby. Um, we had a friend at that. We were at a friend's house, and they had set me on the floor. And the friend had a glass of sweetened iced tea, and I stood up and took my first steps and grapped the glass of sweetened iced tea. <laughs> and, and, I and, and I don't. And I don't have started. diabetes. Yeah. And that's how it all started. Uh, and then just to wrap up the tea segment, sweet tea, liquid nitrogen ice cream. This is a personal. <laughs> One, you can go any which way you want on it. Yeah, I can't. It's just sweet tea ice cream. I'm going to say that, no, let's keep the liquid nitrogen in yeah, there. Yeah, let's do it. And I'm just going to say that I can't wait for you to make it for me. Yes, we're going <laughs> to nice. do it. I'm coming over, I'm coming over coming to over. The, the demo space. Oh, yeah, great. We, yeah, there without, you go. Even, there without you go. Book, yeah. even without a book out, though. Yeah, we're going to bring the, what do you, what do you call Top, it? I'm going to pop in on what, What's the thing that you put, the, the doers? The doer, yeah, the doer. We're bringing doers, we're bringing all of it. Okay, into the cornmeal-ish world, instant polenta. Mm. Will this gonna, be at poolside? This will, this not will definitely poolside. not be at poolside. <laughs> yeah, this will definitely not be at poolside. We've got so much, um, so many incredible folks milling yeah, just okay. the, the coolest stuff. So why, and, why instant polenta? Right? Why not okay. Instant yeah. grits. Uh, what, what about? Uh, well, instant grits, same, same thing. Would be yeah. the same answer. Yeah. I mean, right? I 
no need to instantize those things. Yeah, my answer you're, on that is we're doing enough stuff that they've got time. If to you're cook. in a food competition and you got a couple minutes, you yeah. got to do what you got to do. Uh, sugar <laughs> and grits, which to, uh, absolutely so, not. I, I don't even need yes, to hear the rest yes, of the question. That's enough. I love this yes. because, yeah. like, I when I hear this question, even again as someone who just like embraced the South, no, yeah. never saw it ever in my life anywhere. And then it you'll like, see someone who's like, "Do you put sugar or cheese in your grits?" Where does I'm that like, come from? I don't. Where does it? Maybe from really bitter grits, like at a time. I don't know. And then became tradition, and that's so. Well, it got handed down, but maybe no, that's a no. Well, then uh, uh, switching it up then, totally unrelated to the, the, the cornmeal side yeah. of this, but uh, sugar and tomato sauce. What are your thoughts? No, definitely not. I love this. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah like Hard almost no. like you're also angry a little bit. Yeah, that means, you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, that's a no. Yeah. Um, and I think like give that tomato sauce one more day. It'll be fine. That's you know? true. That's yeah. true. And that even the carrot hummus was so much better. <laughs> so day. true. So true. Uh, and then the last one, home milled, grits milled inside the restaurant if possible. Or like, can mm. you? We've got a little, mill, so, we've got know, a little baby milling. mill, but we use it for like uh, mostly for flowers. Yeah. Um, Who's your grit vendor right now? Yeah. Uh, so we're working with. Multiple, we've multiple got, though. We've got a lot of great folks, but uh, Farm and Sparrow, who okay. are in the North Carolina mountains, they're, they're up okay. in Asheville, and they have uh, All Saints, the pizza joint, mm-hmm. but he, he had a bakery. I think they still do some, some baking, but he just got really into milling, mm-hmm. and the stuff is just incredible. When wow. you talk about the polenta, yeah. like they've got this beautiful, fine milled polenta. And it doesn't have to be like instantized. It's like it cooks so cooks fast. fast. Anyway, it's delicious. We have so we fun. have a we have an eight year old that um, every Christmas asks for grits. She and was born like in Atlanta. Atlanta. So, liquid nitrogen. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have, but not for the kids. <laughs> Sean yeah. taught me that a long time ago. It's, and it's it, pretty cool. And those yeah. are the cool techniques, right? Yeah, it's, that's, like, that's it's not really just right. a, it's not for the theater of it. Yeah. it's actually doing something to help the process. Or, yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, so we have kids that you know yeah. were born in Georgia. So, well, so we try to get oh, yeah. we try to get we try to get them from like well, different I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Farm and Sparrow like to send you some stuff. Please, it's please so do because great. no be one in Southern Cal well that, not no one but it's, uh, no it's one. still people. Are no, like, I think you could yeah. say no one. I think yeah. I'm the only one that makes grits you in put Southern sugar California. In those? No, you don't put sugar in those. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, uh, some of the uh, new food crazes. Uh, cupcake craze. Where are we at on cupcake craze? You know. I- I didn't quite understand what was happening when, like, all the shops <laughs> opened. Um, but I, I won't, like, punish the cupcake. I still love a cupcake. Right. I don't know if I've ever walked into yeah. – I've been to Magnolia, like, 10 years ago sure, in New sure, York sure. and bought a cupcake. But, like, otherwise, that's, like, something, like, your mom makes on a birthday. It is. Right? You know, and, like, yeah. I don't think the craze of it should take away from our appreciation from that mm-hmm. little, petite, delicious cake. Yeah. And you know what I think is cool about it is that when you bake it, in the little paper that and then you peel it off and there's like no outside. It's just all inside cake. You know? Know? I really like that. True. But also like don't you want the outside? Like there are well, some like things that are bad about it. But the you have the top. Like, the, top. You know? the top. I like the top, top represents the, the outside, outside the but then you got without. you know yeah. exactly what you yeah, feel it and you know exactly great. what you're going into. There was a thing when I was uh, maybe in like my uh, early teens they were called pudding pockets and they were these cupcakes I don't remember what the technique was, but it was like a Duncan Hines thing. Yeah, I and remember that. When you bit yeah. it, you like did it, and then you like put pudding into the center mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. I think it baked yeah. with it. Yeah, and then that you chilled great. them, and you took a bite of this cupcake, and in the center was just this pocket of pudding, yeah. sort of like the uh, industrial is, molten center cake. I was say, <laughs> everyone <laughs> wants to know where Jean George got the idea. <laughs> yeah. it was pudding. Pudding pocket. Yeah, he was hanging out the cri- he was hanging out the crib with me when I was yeah. twelve. Oh, right. That's amazing. <laughs> Duncan I, Hines. So you'll probably feel the same way about the whole donut craze right now that's pretty hot or, yeah, or what, I mean, how do you feel about savory donuts like bacon on your donuts and- eh, I mean I, I'm a big fan of salty sweet okay uh, you know back to the fried chicken and honey yeah. um, 
whatever. You know, like I like I don't like cold bacon, so like right. I like to eat bacon after it just comes down to temp. So if you do it, it has to be hot. If you got oh, I like that though. If you got hot little yeah, bacon and, bits, on and, top I, and of I am donut. I, I, I love donuts, but I my favorite donut is a freaking yeast glaze yeast mm. style. Regular glazed donut. Okay, and so you know like, I, I, I'm, I'm from Krispy Kreme yeah, right. yeah, yeah, which like this you is I was one, again as a New Yorker. I remember the first time like when I first came to Atlanta, they were like, "You were taking you to this donut place." Yeah, and yeah. I was like, "I've never had it because it's cake donuts more in the Northeast." Yeah, and sure. You get this sure. yeasty donut, and it's yeah. like, and, and they the and they just disintegrate in your mouth. They're amazing, and you can accidentally eat way more than your stomach. Oh yeah, should should allow you. College, I definitely tried that. But on the savory side of things, like on the menu right now at pools, we do crab donuts, but those are like fried to order it's like north carolina crab meat rolled into some pata shoes so it's like okay so know. a little cream puffy beignet yeah yeah, yeah exactly some roasted tomato ramp mayo with oh, kind, I love of, that. kind of thing but you know you dial into the word donut and people go like donut and then, and then you get yes. them and then it's yes. like you don't you, you don't need to come up with whatever the savory right. word is for that it's like you got them they love crab meat and yes. the last of the sweet sort of trends yeah. unicorn rainbow colored anything in the pastry world like well, if it's got a rainbow color it's going to be Get all the likes. Yeah. All the likes so, on social media. Um, I love a unicorn. I'm gay. I'm proud. So, like rainbows. Um, We're doing it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The, yeah. the only thing I'll say is, like, we don't use a lot of, like, um, imitation uh, <laughs> color. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, it might up. be hard to, like, fully embrace that. Like, but we you got know what? beats. We got turmeric. Yeah. And that's it's just not the same thing. You know? Blueberries aren't yeah. really blue we'll after their yeah. yeah. So, but, um, you know, it, if it's about uh, a statement, in my, t- this is June. This is Pride Month. Yes. So, yes. Okay. so, y'all fire it up. You, I'm all use, about that. Yeah, Absolutely. Y- I mean, y- use all those uh, food colorings this like month and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. No, yeah. So we, you know, in all of our windows, we, we have, uh, during the last election, we just put, don't, don't forget to vote in all the windows. And mm-hmm. then post-election, we changed that to don't forget kindness. And then yes, for good. Pride Month, we did a little, looks like a, looks like a package of fruit strike gum. We made like a little border for all the, all nice. the windows of all the restaurants. That's a, that's a rainbow banner. So that's yeah. Unbelievable. So, so we're, down, we're down with it. Um, I, it can be overused if it's not. What the, food? Oh, if it's, yeah. if it's yeah. otherwise just like. Wee pastry. Yeah, I'm I'm like not a a giant sweets person. I really appreciate pastry work, and I and I occasionally like something sweet. But I'm the person who's always like, "That's great. Dial the sugar back forty percent, and let's put it on the menu." Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) there we go. Okay, wrapping it up here. Uh, Chicken brine, brine, brine. I brine chicken. chicken? Yeah, I brine chicken. Um, We we're working on a new recipe for uh, poolside for the new joint, and we're going to do a. Salt and Boca chicken wing. Okay. And we figured out it's like a weird thing, but like it's better when we don't brine it, you know, and where I think we have to be careful. We we have recently um, stopped putting, you know, in some of our cures and some of our brines, like not just not doing sugar in it at all, just just doing salt. Um, But on the salt and Boca chicken wing, we're chopping up sage and like a little bit of garlic and Dijon and like marinating the chicken in that. And then we wrap it in a piece of mm. thin sliced uh, country ham or prosciutto, and then we like breadcrumb bread nice. it and fry it. It's so good, oh, yeah. but it, it's one of those things where yeah. there are those moments where again, <laughs> to our yeah. earlier conversation, though, you have to be up for change. You have to be. You realize like I always say brine, but like it's better if we don't brine. Mm. It's the same so, thing. Yeah. And that's like yeah. a classic Depends. thing, but like same thing with like sous vide. Like not yeah. everything is better sous vide. It's yeah. definitely not. That's a thing. Well, and I I'm always really cautious with brine when it makes things that aren't pork taste like ham. You know, yes. like I don't want things to be handy. Right. Yes. Yeah, the the chew and the and the, and the, yeah. Yeah, we cured some leg of lamb for Easter to go home and cook with my mom, and it was like it was delicious, but 
I had sugar in the cure, and it yeah. made it taste like ham. And that's not – it wasn't supposed to be ham, Easter right? ham. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. There you go. That makes sense. And then uh, so how, how, what are your thoughts on cold fried chicken? I love cold fried chicken, but uh, I think you know Tandy Wilson in mm-hmm. Nashville. Um, Tandy and I had this conversation a long time ago that made so much sense. And it actually – I realized it was kind of a part of my childhood. Like I think dark meat is best served hot mm. and white meat I think is best served cold you know mm. and, and, and Tandy was like yeah we call the white meat picnic chicken because that's the one that you fry everything wow. yeah. you know and, and, and then you, you fry in the afternoon so it's not hot while you're eating it at dinner you know in the south and like yeah. and then you put the the breast away and you eat the legs and thighs hot and then the next day you Huh. Rip, rip that thing off the cage and go yeah. to it. I, yeah. I love cold fried chicken. Well, I feel like we need to have like an in-depth chicken podcast. Yeah, well, so well, we do. We do it at, yeah. at our uh, in our event space. We do cold fried chicken. We let it come down to room temp, pull it off the cage, slice it, and we serve it with warm biscuits, but cold fried chicken. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. temperature yeah. contrast is the thing. And then last, lastly, meatless fried chicken. KFC <laughs> just introduced a meatless fried mm. chicken where uh-huh. they're using their classic batter. Classic, and, yeah, the original right, recipe, the original but, recipe but, but then the it. inside Hasn't their is... chicken always been meatless? Yeah. <laughs> I saw, uh, I yeah. saw something coming. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know it was What do they, they call it, like Animal 13 or something? Uh, no, exactly. No, it's, no, it's, no offense, KFC. Exactly. Okay. Uh, my, my dad told me a story about, like, see, actually as a kid growing up in, from middle school on in North Carolina, like, he remembers, like, being in a place where the colonel, like, drove up right. to wow. a KFC. And that's when he was, like, overseeing, like, that used to be, like... Right, a really right. cool chicken and, like, place. The boss yeah. showed up. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, but like, you know, um, I mean, when we talk about technology, I mean, the KFC. Those are the guys who invented pressure frying, right? right. Like, right. and and the uh, that I think um, the CVAP is yeah. is, uh, is part of that technology. That was I think that was first created for them. So they yeah, no, they, sort, they sort of sit yeah. at the hub of but, yeah, a lot fa- of that technology. Fast food, always, fast food is always borrowing elements from like fine dining and bringing yeah. it into their world, and yeah. then there are elements of you know uh, fast food. Technologically speaking, that we're yeah. bringing into the world. Yeah, when are sure. we going to see your fried chicken delivered via drone? Is this, uh, one of my yeah. restaurants just announced that we're going to be delivering hamburgers via drone? That is amazing. California. That's a trip. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think do? that's anything that's crossed our mind. Okay, just yet, if it does, but, though, uh, remember yeah, this Google conversation. Be, you know, we're in the yeah, South. Yeah. They shoot them down when they oh, go. That's true. There you go. If it's the South or Texas, Florida, Florida, But but yeah. So but we're we're up for all the. Technical te- techn- technological advancements to help us get food to more people. If it makes people. the experience better, right? Yeah. Um, last thing we do on the podcast, Chef, is something called 86. It's 86. Okay. Something in the world, your world, it could be uh, in the, our menus, whatever it is that you want to 86 and get rid of. Mm. Man, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, in, we're talking ingredient. It could, no, no, it could be it could anything. Be anything. Literally, it could I be mean, something you just saw like walking Caesar down the salad. street. People have obviously yeah, we, I mean, eighty six Trump plenty while, of times. But yeah, but. yeah, we've had some <laughs> political sort of rants from here to, from time to time. But like, just something that you. Uh, I would say um, food commentary without owning your personality. Ooh. So like um, anyone anonymously uh, entering conversations, uh, 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 I yes. think is a so dangerous, you, super so negative space. And those, you know, I don't want to speak specifically to them. I think they're. It sounds like they're trying to like become more um clean it up a bit. <laughs> acknowledging of the people who are working and have created the space that they get to work in yeah. uh but i think I, I think that we would have so, so much more there's so much um conversation online and in social media and i think there would be so much more intelligence and responsibility in, in it if people were required to own 
who they are mm-hmm. to be able to put those words out into the oh, public. Yeah. Absolutely. And not, I mean, in, in the world in general, Everywhere and beyond, yeah. but, you know, I think our industry is the most generous and we're the first to be attacked. And often it has nothing to do with the meal that that person had in your Wait, restaurant this is, this or true, didn't true. have because they couldn't get in. Right. Chef, congratulations on Thank all you. the honors, the accolades, all of the restaurants. Uh, I would love to do another podcast. Yeah, let's, I, I, feel I feel like, like, like we, I think we might have a series. I think we keep dad's going. got a whole episode <laughs> yeah. if he wants to do that. Fox, Fox coming There's a chicken episode, all these things. Enjoy your Aspen Food and Wine Classic. Always do. Thank you. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our sponsors who make this possible. Miller Lite, Hold True, and Upserve. Go to Upserve.com slash starving for $1,000 off a new POS today. And until next week, stay hungry. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, as they are bringing the Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website or use the mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. Visit betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert.